In Matthew chapter 19, the Pharisees came to test Jesus, and they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. It's clear, faithfulness matters to Jesus, that his intention and his expectation of those who follow him is that we would always be faithful as our vows declare, till death us do part. But on top of that, Jesus asks more of us. He requires more of his followers than staying together and not divorcing. In chapter 5 of Matthew, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks, looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus, it's clear, is asking of us a faithfulness of the heart. And he's serious about it. Look at the two verses that follow immediately after this. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus calls us to a faithfulness of the heart. He earnestly calls us to a faithfulness of the heart. Um, The question for us this morning is how, apart from going blind and lopping off appendages, do we stay faithful? How do you cultivate and grow a faithfulness of the heart in a world that is radically, diametrically opposed to that? And so, what we want to do today for some really practical advice, I hope, on the protection of our heart, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 4, the very back end of that chapter, where we find Solomon recording these words for us. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Guard your heart, he says. Whatever you do, make sure that you guard your heart. And then he unfolds three things that I think are really integral in that process. Essentially, he says, guard your mouth, what you say. Guard your eyes, what you see. Guard your feet, where you go. And then he moves on, based on those ideas, he moves on into chapter 5, and with more specific and colorful um, advice, he warns us further about this applied to our marriages. In chapter 5, I'm going to read the first 14 verses for you. It says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. 
Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my son, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. In the early chapters of Proverbs, we are introduced to a woman identified in in this rendering as an adulteress. Some of your Bibles call her a forbidden woman. Perhaps the most literal rendering is a strange woman. She's strange in the sense that she is operating outside of your faith. And she is enticing you there. She dominates the early chapters of the book of Proverbs. She's in chapter 2 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 9. They are a worthy read for you later today. And what I want to do is show you a couple of key um, descriptors of her that show up in these chapters uh, where she has talked about so much. Now, the language of the book of Proverbs, this is written to young men, and she's described as a woman. Those could easily be flipped, and we could describe not the forbidden woman, but we could also describe the forbidden man as well. And so even though it's couched in this one approach, I hope that you'll be able to think it through for your own uh, benefit and your own perspective as you work through this. First thing about her, she is remarkably alluring. Chapter 5, verse 3 says, Her lips drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Chapter 7 says um, that she's a wayward wife with seductive words. She's dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. With pervasive words, she led him astray, and she seduced him with her smooth talk. Um, She is alluring, and in this matter... Nothing has changed. She still lives in our day on every street corner, just like the writer of Proverbs is telling us. The difference, the only difference is that now she has a marketing and media department at her disposal, including, according to msnbc.com, greeting cards. They say, just when you thought the greeting card racks had all the bases covered, someone found a remaining untapped market mistresses. The Secret Lover Collection is committed to providing a greeting card collection with empathy and understanding without judgment to lovers involved in a secret relationship. The woman behind the collection, Kathy Gallagher, says she launched it to help the unfaithful express their emotions and to cash in since she said there's a huge untapped market. How do you market greeting cards for the unfaithful? Very subtly. She says, there won't be a big banner that says infidelity. 
Instead, it's under labels like love expressions and intimacy. Card messages will be slogans like, I used to live for the weekend, look forward to the weekends, but since we met, they seem like an eternity. And for those special holiday occasions, as we each celebrate with our families, I will be thinking of you. She is alluring. And today she comes replete with a marketing and media department. She is extraordinarily alluring. And she is, as you just picked up in that closing remark, extraordinarily dangerous. She's dangerous. Um, Proverbs chapter 6 puts it this way. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. An expression probably means you've been impoverished by her. And the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Chapter 7, same theme. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave, leading down to the chambers of death. In contrast, in the early chapters of Proverbs, to wisdom, which leads to life, this lady is foolishness, and she leads to death. There is quite perhaps a literal death in view there. It talks in just a few verses after the ones we've read about her, what happens when her husband finds out. But it is typically a, a symbolic of an ensnarement spiritually and a ripping of away from the life of God. Proverbs says it can cost you your health, it can cost you your wealth, it can cost you your life. Chapter 6 again says, a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot and his shame will never be wiped away. It is a sure warning. If you go near her house, you will be burned. So the advice in Proverbs, if we go back to chapter 5 again, is very clear in verse 7 and 8. My sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near to the door of her house. What I'd like to do is suggest that we think that through, that injunction to stay far from her, through the three categories that he unveiled at the end of chapter 4, with what we say, with what we see, and where we go. First of all, with your mouth, with what you say. First of all, flirtatious Speech will take you near, way too near to her house. There is no such thing as harmless, flirtatious speech. There's a website called thepublicapology.com where people post uh, public apologies, um, often anonymously, for things they've done. Everything from the kid who set off a firecracker in the trash can at school and it caused his teacher who had high blood pressure, to go to, blood pressure to go to the hospital, to things much more serious, such as this one. It starts this way. It says, Honey, I admit I like to chat up pretty ladies, and I even admit having my wedding ring in my pocket when I talk to them. 
but it's just for the fun of flirting. I don't ever follow through. I don't even give them my phone number. And if they give me their phone numbers, I throw those slips of paper or business cards or whatever right in the nearest trash basket. Always. I know that to you this is cheating, but I don't see how. There's no sex happening. We are not meeting in private. Everyone has their clothes on. It's just a harmless flirt. Maybe I am leading these ladies on, but I am not being physically unfaithful to you in any way. I am sorry this has upset you, and I apologize for that, just like you asked me to. But I really don't think I've done anything wrong. Norman. Norman is a fool. Okay? Let's be clear. To flirtatious speech is unfaithful speech, and it leads you right past her house. We could add to that risque speech. You tell jokes about things that are inappropriate, lots of innuendo. We could add intimate speech to that. You having conversation about subjects that should only be had with your spouse, that you're not having with your spouse. Are you leaving your heart vulnerable to her or to him by what you say? Guard your heart. Solomon says, guard your heart. Be careful what you say. He also says, be careful what you see. Guard your heart by guarding your eyes. Straight up, are you looking at porn? Be honest with yourself. Are you looking at porn? And some of you are thinking, it's not really porn. Are you, okay, are you looking at material that's designed to titillate you, that you hope will arouse you? Are you watching shows that make you long for romantic fulfillment outside your marriage, that give you ideas and sow discontent in your marriage? Are you looking at what we might call gateway material? that in and of itself could be maybe rationalized as innocuous, but where is it going to lead you? If you walk through that gateway, where is it going to take you? Not only with what you might further view, but what you might further think. Are you looking at things that fuel your fantasies, movies or shows? Are you tracking down particular actresses or actors that you hope you'll catch a glimpse of something? something that would tantalize you. Are you hoping for that? Guard your gateways. Know what your gateways are and guard them. Stay far from them. They lead past her house. I've become aware in my own life that I have to be really careful about Google image searches, no matter how innocent. They bring up things that bounce around in my mind that I don't need to have bouncing around in my mind. So if I think I hear a singer when I'm listening to Pandora and I think, I don't know who that is, I wonder who she is, and I do a Google image search, that's a problem. It takes me past her house way too often. And they're just little postage stamp images, thankfully, but tragically, the male brain has an enlargement feature built into it. And so even a flash at a postage stamp site can be recalled in in ways and times that I don't want it to and you don't want it to. 
Some of you are troubled to think that a pastor or an elder could be tempted in this area. Uh, Let me be clear. We are ordained. We are not dead. Okay? Um, The character qualifications of an elder do offer great safeguards against this, but they are not impenetrable. We are ordained. We are not invincible. They don't give you a big red S to put on your chest when you become an elder or a pastor. In fact, if anything, what you get is a larger bullseye. Satan does not say, oh no, we got ordained. I'm going to have to go find somebody else to tempt now. It's the opposite. When you step into leadership to serve the church, the temptations become greater and stronger. You know as well as I do far too many pastors or missionaries who've fallen into this. So we covet your prayers. But are you leaving your heart vulnerable to her or to him by what you see? Guard your heart, Proverbs says, by guarding what you see. Okay. Lastly, uh, what about where you go? What about your feet? Are there any rendezvous in your day? Maybe nothing overt, maybe just going to the water cooler by root of her desk. Maybe just eating at that restaurant, hoping that they will wait on your table. Or going for a walk at that time, hoping, hoping that, the, that coincidentally you will see him or you will see her. Maybe it's grazing at the local feed troughs, bookstores, or magazine racks. Uh, I remember uh, one fellow had fallen into um, the snare of pornography. And one of the ways he did it was to go buy a particular uh, bookstore and he would graze on his way home from, from work. And so what he had to do was never go that way home again. He had to go on a different route. He had to not go near her door. Are you leaving your heart vulnerable to her or to him by where you go? Proverbs is clear. Keep a path far from her. Do not even go near the door of her house. Back in chapter 5, Solomon adds one more beautiful protective layer. It's a really positive one. He says, um, drink water from your own cistern. He is speaking symbolically here. This is not about cisterns. You, f- you figure it out. This is why the sermon is rated PG. He's going to clue you in in just a couple verses. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Um, so, there it is. Right there in church. <laughs> right in front of God and everybody. Be captivated. The idea is to be intoxicated. Be Um, drunk 
be staggering drunk with your bride. Be captivated by her. Delight in her. Rejoice in her. Thank God for her. Be satisfied, content with her alone. Focus your passion on her. Ogle her. Hold her. Touch her. And I'll stop right there for propriety's sake. Okay. But as a husband, I am committed to touching my wife. Okay. That's a commitment I've made. I work hard at it. And every chance I get... I touch my wife. Two particular times that it's important for me to touch my wife when I come home. I seek her out because she's usually busy somewhere and exhausted. And I seek her out and I touch her. And before I leave the house, I seek her out and I touch her because I want the first thing for her to remember and the last thing for her to remember is that I care about her. I love her, that I'm captivated by her. It's good for her to know that. It's good for me. And it's good for my kids to see that, though they protest loudly. (laughs) Be captivated. Of course, this can be happily rewritten from a wife's perspective. And it has, in the Song of Songs, also in chapter 5, his arms are rods of gold set with chrysolite. His body's like polished ivory decorated with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. His appearance is like Lebanon choices its cedars. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is altogether lovely. Be captivated by your spouse. <laughs> You know, I got amen right there in the first service, too. Um, Alone. Be captivated by them alone. Proverbs says, back in chapter 5, Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress, by a forbidden woman? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are in full view of God, of the Lord. And he examines all his paths. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline. Led astray by his own great folly. Let's wrap up with chapter 9 of Proverbs where there are two ladies who speak to us. First to speak is Lady Wisdom. And she says, uh, it says, wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars and she has prepared her meat and mixed her wine and she also has set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. This is her invitation. And it's not entirely clear whether Lady Wisdom is, in fact, the faithful wife back in chapter 5, the captivating wife. Sometimes Lady Wisdom comes in Proverbs as a sister and as a matriarch, but surely she is on the side of the wife, and she is advocating a captivating faithfulness in our marriages. But there is a second invitation that's issued by another woman in chapter 9. 
and that is the woman folly. And she's loud, and she's undisciplined and without knowledge, and she sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by who go straight on their way, let all who are simple come in here. Same invitation. She says to those who lack judgment, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Now, Lady Folly is this forbidden woman, this strange woman we've been reading about. She's the harlot. She's the wayward wife. And on the one hand, she is a literal woman that he has in mind standing on the street corner of their day. But she also represents a greater spiritual reality. Lady Wisdom represents the wisdom that comes from God. And she calls us to God and his ways. It's the wisdom of this book. Lady Folly represents another spiritual voice. It's the voice of the world. It's the voice of a worldly wisdom that calls us away from God. So behind our spiritual, our, our sexual faithfulness lies our spiritual faithfulness. And the voice that you are listening to spiritually will determine the voice you respond to sexually. This is why I've said before, great Christians make great spouses. The more intimate you are with Christ, the more faithful you will be to follow him, to hear the voice of wisdom. Paul says, Christ is the wisdom of God. His voice is one with hers. So whose voice is shaping you? Really, what most shapes your view on politics and economics and relationships and ethics and values and character and, and what you think about marriage and sex, what's the voice that you're hearing most? Is it uh, talk radio? Is it CNN or, or Fox or ESPN or maybe Oprah or The View? Who is the voice that you're listening most faithfully to that has most influence with you? What, whose invitation, which lady are you responding to? Proverbs 8 says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice on the heights along the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gates leading into the city and at the entrances. She cries aloud, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire, nothing you desire can compare with her. Choose wisdom. Choose God, and you will never be disappointed. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So what, what to do with this? What, what do we do with all of this? Um, some of you... Um, it is though I have been mercilessly punching you in the gut because you have fallen into this area in your past. And uh, that's why what we talked about last week is so very, very important. The centrality of the forgiveness of Christ in our lives and in our marriages. That there is for us a billion dollar forgiveness, according to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. 
and we are urged so strongly to pass that on. We all are in need of that grace. But this morning, a number of us have had our eyes opened, or we should, because what you are saying and what you are looking at and where you are going is taking you right past her house. And even now, you are rationalizing. You are thinking, it's really not her house. It's probably maybe her neighborhood. Maybe her zip code. Wisdom says, don't even go near. 180 degrees, the opposite direction. And so, God's kindness for you this morning is leading you to repent. And to pray God's kind favor on your home, on your family, for your life, for your husband, for your wife. And if you're single, I hope you understand not only the great personal immediate application of this to your life, but the need of, of the married couples in this church for you to pray for us. That that's one of the reasons God has you here. So, let me invite you to bow in prayer. I'm going to lead you kind of through a guided time of prayer and the worship team is going to come and lead us in just a reflection on the commitment that God is calling us to. Okay? Let's bow. Father, we, we are coming before you um, palms up. We will give up anything that we have been holding dear. We, we will do that because we trust you. We love you. And though our love is diminished and our trust is tempted by this woman, this forbidden woman, this forbidden man, God, have mercy on us and we want to be free. Though we are ensnared, we want to be free. So I pray, Lord, some now hear their prayers of confession as they acknowledge that what they have been speaking of in a particular relationship or place has just been taking them right by your house, leading them right into temptation. Lord, hear that confession. Hear their repentance. Hear their, their heart's desire to be free and protect them and rescue them. 